us more. Hey there, it's Luscos. No, it's Hey. Hey, it's Luscos. I want to say that differently every single episode. <laughs> and so we're going to. Welcome back to this podcast. Welcome. We are so glad to have you with us. That's right. Thanks for carving some time out of your day, whether you're on a subway or on a flight or, or you're on a eating run. subway. Ooh, eating subway. That's a good thought. What's your favorite sandwich from Subway? I love the tuna sandwich. I don't like tuna at all. I know you don't. Unless it's ahi. Mm-hmm. Like a poke bowl. I like that. I like tuna in chunk form or steak form. But Not you, shredded. Or even, even a hamburger that's uh, made with an ahi patty instead of of uh, hamburger. Hmm. But you start shredding a fish up, I you lose me. Hmm. It's my favorite. And they fill it with so much mayonnaise and pickles. Hmm. That's a, you're a fan. All right. Well, I don't love that. Uh, on my lower moments of eating not so healthy, I like uh, a Bell. meatball sub. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> a meatball sub from Subway. That's delicious. But, you know, Jared didn't lose all that weight eating meatball subs. You don't just get healthy just because you went to Subway. You have to pick the right things at Subway. Like, you have to eat turkey and, you But know. it's, like, just the turkey, though. Like, it's the bread that really gets you. Yeah, so, so how did Jared lose a, all that weight with all that bread? How do you lose weight eating bread? It's a good question. Now, they do offer at Subway Because uh, I want that bowls. diet. They offer salad bowls where it's, like, salad. But I didn't find it to be very good. Mm-mm. It was, like, so, so much shredded romaine, and it got so soggy. Mm. I love the meatball sub at uh, at Subway. It is good. It's delicious. But I also like the, like the bacon, chicken. They always have some variation of that on their specials. Hmm. It's delicious. Interesting. Uh, I feel like I get anxiety at Subway because they say, what next, what next, what next? And it's not like Chipotle where it's like, would you like this or this? Oh. It's like, what do you want? What else do you want? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's uh, such that a good one? point. Uh, that one? It's not just Give a me multiple options, choice. People. It's like. What about this? What do you want? Any of these nine things? I'm like, well, what's that one? Uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe that. And then I feel like they're judging me because I don't pick enough items, hmm. or maybe they're fatigued if I pick too many. Struggle yeah, is right? real. Why is it that when you just pick something off of a menu, it's so much easier, but when you have to stand there making all these selections, it gives you so much crippling anxiety? Hmm. Well, it's like with your kids, like. You could eat, you could say, "Hey, what do you want for lunch today?" And then they could say, "I want chicken nuggets shaped like dinosaurs." Yes, but when you say, "Hey, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or a peanut butter and honey sandwich?" and then that, I feel like that gives them the freedom to be like, "Oh man, I got a choice today." Yeah, right. But you're not saying, "Hey, what do you want for lunch today?" Sure. What about ordering in general, like when it's a waiter, and the waiter's going around the table, and there's like, you know. That person at every meal that has not looked at the menu yet. And they're like, I'll be, I'll be ready by the time it gets to me. You know, <laughs> they never are. And they say, like, what about this? And how is that? Can I make 12 modifications uh, to this? It's, yeah. I like that. So this all started because we said you might be on a subway right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's not even one person on a subway. But uh, you're listening <laughs> to this and you're... Uh, giving us some of your life, and here you're thinking to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I do this? Well, why did I do that? We're glad you're here. We're glad that we get to share some of our life. Uh, on this podcast, we are trying to open up a little bit our heart, what we're dealing with currently, marriage, life, 
ministry. Um, in, in these days, we've been taking some time to go through this episode, uh, is going to be following after a series that's kind of linked up with uh, the message of my first book, uh, Through the Eyes of a Lion, Facing Impossible Pain, Finding Incredible Power. And just want to give a shout out uh, to all those of you who have made it this far. It's really a privilege that you would let us speak to you. And it's been an honor to talk about uh, for us what has been a dark chapter in our lives, a hard season in our lives, but there's for sure brightness in it. And yeah. there's, there's, there's great um, power that God's revealed in our lives in difficult days. As always, want to just kind of let you know, <clears throat> because the nature of this content uh, does deal with, you know, our daughter going to heaven um, and the the difficulty of grief, if you just did stumble upon this now, I don't want to have you stand, stepping onto a landmine, but sort of like let you know, hey, disclaimer, we're talking about death, we're talking about grief. And specifically in this episode, because in the chapter of the book that this kind of corresponds with, we're talking about suicide, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about grief, we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, but a lot about hope. Mm -hmm. And so just so you know what you're getting into, um, these are some of the things that are going to be popping up. So that way you sort of have your emotional shock absorbers on and you're not just all of a sudden like, whoa, hold on a second. What is going on? This thing took a dark twist, but that's, that's where we're going to be heading. Yeah. Uh, but of course, doing so with the spirit of hope. Right. And, and some people will say to us, it must be so hard for you to talk about these things. And, um, and it, we really do count it an, an honor and a privilege to be able to share our story and to be able to share um, our field notes from from some of the hardest times in our life. And, um, and so we just want you to know that we're, we're sharing from a place of, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, it is hard to talk about, but it's also, there's so much hope and, um, and we just, we just consider it an honor. So, um, yeah. And other people have said to us, uh, you know, I can't read that. can't, you know, I, I can't a relate. Maybe mm -hmm. you've never gone through uh, a sudden death or, B, you would say, I just can't allow myself to go there. Let me just encourage you on both levels. The book for us was not just written for people who have lost a child or lost someone they love. Mm. It was also written to help people go through divorce or unemployment or a sickness or just whatever hard hard things you faced. So no matter what you've gone through that's hard, I hope God will encourage you with some of the, the scriptures and the stories that we're going to tell. But I also would say... Maybe you've never gone through anything hard. Well, uh, I don't want to be the one to break it to you, but you will at some point. Right. You know, there's no doubt life's going to take twists and turns that you don't anticipate. And Jesus said, quite frankly, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's John 16, mm -hmm. verse 33. So it is not if, but when you deal with grief. It's not if, but when you deal with loss. It's not if, but when uh, someone you love passes away. So to be prepared for that would be the wisest course of action you could take and to be sort of ready. Um, the time to go through premarital counseling is not when you're married, but before. Right. And I would say the time to get, you know, a grief strategy would be not when you're grieving, because that's when you're going to have all the shock and all the, you know, what is happening, but rather to have sort of a, a plan in place for uh, loss Today would be a great day to get some of that stored up in your spirit. Right. And you call it um, in your book, we train for the trial we're not yet in. I think that's <clears throat> so huge for us 
to know that even coming out of a trial, if we're in one or going or going into one, to be to know that it's training. Whatever we're going through right now is training for the next season of life, whether a trial is coming up or whether um, we've got some blue skies ahead or whatever it is. Um, we're always in seasons of training. So this book is huge in that. Well, before we jump into that, because the book uh, begins with uh, me, t- this chapter anyhow, chapter um, called Turn Off the Dark that we're going to kind of talk about loosely. I mean, real loosely. I hope you'll read it because you'll want to get it. We're not. We're definitely not going to be going through an audible version of it here today. But um, I want to talk a little bit about inspiration. And then mm. still to come, we will uh, get into a little bit about the grieving process. And we will talk a little bit about, about suicide um, as the book brings it up. But I wanted to start off by talking about inspiration because um, we had no idea that going to see a a Broadway show about Spider-Man would lead to one of the most listened to sermons, if not perhaps the most listened to sermon I've ever given, Mm. as uh, I would, of course, preach at our Christmas Eve services just days after our daughter Lenya went to heaven. But the writing of that message began walking into Times Square and seeing... Uh, giant Spider-Man on the marquee with the words turn off the dark there. And of course, that led to me making a connection, which is a big word, I think, in creativity. It's connecting dots yep. uh, between what Jesus did at Christmas with uh, this this messaging that was being used uh, by the U2 band, by the band U2, the U2. The How U2 old am I? <laughs> the U2. You know, the kids U2. these days listening to the U2 and watching it on the YouTube <laughs> Before posting about it on the Facebook, um, but yeah, seeing that phrase in 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 such a context, um, a because you normally think about turning on the light, you don't right. think about turning off the dark, uh, but that combined with uh, the reality of so many promises about light, Isaiah said that your light shall come when the Messiah shows up. Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." Mm-hmm. He called his followers the same light, uh, the lights of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, the the candle that should not be covered with a basket, but rather should be exposed. Um, and so, really, this idea of light and darkness, and what Jesus did in accomplishing his his coming into this world. Yeah. Well, I just love so much. One thing that that you've taught me. Um, it's just that inspiration is everywhere. Like you can, if you're aware, if your eyes are open to it, you can get inspiration from anything. And one thing that's so fun for us that we get the privilege of of traveling and being in different cities and um, <clears throat> walking down a, s- a street in New York and seeing um, words written on a um, display, like r- recently— I was I was actually by myself in New York. <laughs> I wasn't with you, but I, I was wish walking. I would have been invited. I know, um, but I there was this sign in a window that said "Stay tender," and it was something that God was already kind of like stirring up in my heart. But just literally, it was like someone wrote it, almost wrote it on the glass. But those kind of things where you can um, be inspired and 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 have creativity just like come up, pop up, no matter where you are. You just have to be aware of it. And I love so much that we're able to kind of see uh, those kind of things. And I mean, whether you're in a big city or a small city, like you can be inspired by anything. If you're hiking in um, a national park or um, walking around in the city or driving around or whatever, like we just have to keep our eyes open to be able to see inspiration around us. Yeah. And we get asked a lot, like when I go to leadership conferences or pastors conferences, one of the questions that I'll regularly get asked or even in back rooms is, you know, where do your ideas come from your messages? You know, as you write books, as you write 
um, sermons, <clears throat> how do you get the ideas for illustrations or whatever? And I would say uh, what you just said is key is always having your eyes open because one of the hardest times to get ideas is when you're like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and write a book. Mm. Now I'm going to sit down and write a sermon. I, okay, where go. And you look at the cursor on the screen and maybe you uh, are a graphic designer and you're thinking through a campaign for a new website or you, you know, do social media for a law firm, you know, which is what a funny thing that in this day and age that there's now <laughs> that component to just about every business. Right. Uh, but the reality is I think creativity, first of all, is something that should be applied to every endeavor. So uh, storytelling is built into who we are. We all resonate with stories. We all resonate with images, <clears throat> with with marketing messages. And we see so much. We expo we're exposed to so much. So really, if you're hearing this and you're like, well, I don't write sermons or I don't write books, that doesn't matter. I think we should creatively approach everything we've been called to do and uh, approach it with insight and with a new way to do things mm. and, and all of that. That's built within our heart based on God who's a creator and created us to create. Yes. Our first job was to name animals. And so wh whether you're, you know, doing insurance day by day or even just to creatively approach parenting yeah. or creatively approach your marriage and relationships and your walk with God. So ideas are important and ideation is important. But when you actually sit down to do the thing, that's not the time to begin harvesting the ideas. Uh, because you, we've all been there. You wake up in the morning with a thought in your mind. And you're like, oh, that's the greatest, or even a dream. Hmm. But what is for sure is if you don't take the, the moment to log it somehow, yeah. you'll lose it. And how do you log it, Levi? Well, I have a number of ways that I do it. I'll use anything. I'll <laughs> write it on a scratch piece of paper. I'll write it for sure in my journal. I will write it in um, my, my most uh, probably successful system is Evernote, yeah. the app that you can get for free on the iTunes uh, Marketplace or Android Marketplace. Uh, it is one of the most robust uh, note-taking platforms. Of course, now there's so many. I mean, I, tr I first turned to Evernote because at that point in, in that season, the Notes app on Apple was, I found the limitations of it. They didn't have folders back mm. then. They didn't have the ability to sketch, which right. they have now. I recently went back into it. And I was like, oh, this thing's way better. But there was a season where I, f I found the Notes was like, not enough for me. Couldn't keep track. And they got too big and it was starting to like lose stuff yeah. and, and you couldn't label and sort like you can now. So maybe, you know, the reality is maybe notes is great for you. Maybe you like that. I think the key thing is you have somewhere where you can put down ideas, yeah. somewhere where you can write things down. Uh, studies have shown even writing down your goals makes you far more likely to accomplish them. And we all think, oh, I'm going to remember that. And the, the truth is you won't. So right. you have to have a system of some sort for inventory uh, and for retrieval. Yeah. And that's key. And so <clears throat> I just would say, um, write it down. It's going to make a difference. Gratitude, too. I mean, I, I found a statistic a while back about how if you take time to write down just a couple things you're thankful for, mm. even as infrequently as once a week, your perceived sense of happiness in life will expand. Wow. Just writing down, hey, I'm thankful for this. That makes sense. Well, because how easy is it to, to kind of get complaining? And very, very easy. Very, very easy. <laughs> yeah, so writing stuff down. Then I would say also, uh, be paying attention. And the best I've found is unrelated, but, seem, but drawing connections between two seemingly disparate themes. Totally. I'm, what was the storefront that you saw the tenderness campaign at? I don't even remember. But it was, it almost seemed like it didn't have anything to do with the store. It must, I think it was like a jewelry store or something, but it was like randomly like graffitied on the window. And it was just like, oh my gosh, it just hit me. Or there was this uh, time where something was written on the ground and it just said, I love you so much. 
And I was actually having a hard time with something. I don't even remember. But I just remember looking down and thinking, man, that was from that was from Absolutely. God. And so just those little things, like if you're actually looking around, I think for me, sometimes I can get so stuck in myself and what I'm struggling with, what I'm um, what my mind is focused on, and I don't see what's going on around me. And I think honestly, that pertains to even relationships. Like I can be so in myself that I'm not aware of you. I'm not aware of my kids. I'm not aware of what's going on around me. But the same goes for creativity. If I can just kind of like look outside of myself and just look around and take take things in, that's when I'm inspired by by something all, all the time, yeah. honestly. Yep. Yeah. So unrelated things, drawing connections, having a system. And then I would say also um, getting out of the context of where you're actually working on helps. You know, for me, it's taking a walk. Yeah. And if I'm working, I feel stuck. I'll, you know, there's a time to push through it, of course, and not give into the the resistance, how Seth Godin would refer to it, that would want, want to pull you away from the task to go do hmm. check your Twitter. You yeah. know, that's not the good kind of break. But the taking a break where you go on a walk or take a shower or, you know, maybe go work out. And a lot of times that will free up ideas that pop up into your head, taking a nap. You know, there was an artist who once used to, he used to take a nap with a key in his hand and <laughs> he would have a bowl on below the chair he would sit in and, and he would. He would take a nap in a chair? He would take a nap in a chair and Weird. he would have a key in his hand and there would be a metal bowl under his hand. And the moment he drifted off to sleep, he would drop the key, it would hit the bowl and he would wake up. And he almost always got his best ideas for his paintings from that moment because there's something they say about the state just between awake and are and, and deep sleep hmm. that is where your best ideas come from wow and he would almost always wake up from those key naps and have some new painting in his mind that's so cool yeah i've never tried it but it sounds interesting also i mean look at ben franklin to, how how do you know how to like perfectly place your hand where the key is going to drop into a don't bowl. Don't overthink the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a big bowl, and I think it wow. made a noise when it clanked. This seems like a lot of probably trouble a big to go key to. also. <laughs> but then I was thinking Ben Franklin, you know, key up the key up the up the kite. So there's something there, right? It's the the key, you know the. Mm. And then Jesus didn't Jesus say, "I have the keys." So I, I don't know he right did? now. Like I'm a, yeah, like in Revelation, I have the keys to death oh, and hell. Oh yeah. So now I'm like on this key theme. I'm like, okay, the key of creativity, the key of electricity, and the key of immortality, Dang. right? Okay, now we've got it. Okay, we could preach on what, what what keys open up your creative mind. What keys open up your, you know, power? What keys open up your, uh, rocket? anyhow, I'm just saying unconnected things. Yeah. And when you start to, to think that way, you really do see um, inspiration everywhere. Yeah. And you're open to, um, I think, Moments of insight that you would have overlooked otherwise. Absolutely. Okay, so that that that's all to say, you know, fight for creativity and and insight and inspiration. Well, and I think for you to know too, I think some people may say, "Well, I, I'm not really that creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body." And it's like that's actually not true because you were God created you to create, and whether that's um, painting or music, that's like a certain kind of creativity. Or engineering. But there's, yeah, there's a whole other world of creativity in science and engineering, like you said, and writing. Medicine. And it's just, it's all creative. So you may not think that you have the artsy creative side, but you are creative. And I think if you can um, just know that about yourself, that God designed you that way, then you're going to have more of an awareness of 
of, of creativity, like you said, in parenting, in um, in things that maybe you wouldn't think that you could be creative in. Well, I, I got a good friend who is an artist, um, and yet he's an artist who invents <laughs> light bulbs, you know? Hmm. And he's not what you'd call creative because he's actually a scientist. But the way he creates and the way he thinks and the way he dreams, and he's got patents, several patents on light bulbs that he's, you know, been able to figure out technology and stuff like that. And and he's, he's made lights that are in theaters and stuff like that. But a lot of times he says some of his great ideas do come in dreams. Mm. And so I think it's just being open, whether you're a principal of a high school and you're looking at ways to raise uh, the, the GPA across your school or see less mm. rate, rates of dropouts or, or or you are, you know, the general manager of a Costco, you know, and, and you're trying to think through motivating people and culture and morale and yeah. efficiency in the warehouse and, you know, whatever, how to, how to sell more churros, you know, you, which I, I would think that churro sales would stay pretty steady. You know, <laughs> I, I've never seen a churro. I'm like, I don't need that. I'm always like, you know what? I do need that churro right now. I need, except when we were at Disneyland the other day and it was like, pumpkin churros. I'm like, don't mess with the churro. Oh, and it just... Don't it, be messing with the churro. It, it dyed your mouth orange. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, all that to say, um, if there's <laughs> anyone, anyone listening, send churros. We're in the radio send station churros. booth at, at First Life Church. All right, so, um, yeah, so that's good. Just wanted to start there for a minute. But then this sermon that I actually wrote was a sermon that was all about um, how the light being turned off, um, which Spider-Man did that in the crime in New York City. But the 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 true power of Christmas being revealed in the light of Jesus coming to turn off the dark. And in the book, I talk about the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of fear, the darkness of guilt. Then after our daughter went to heaven, I saw that, in, again, a new connection, that there was also the darkness of death being defeated mm. by Christmas, that Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. But then one other one that I talked about was the darkness of despair, And I wanted to read a portion of Through the Eyes of a Lion. This is from chapter four, Turn Off the Dark. It says, hopelessness reigns. Suicide now kills more people than car accidents do. So many people despair of life itself, not just down and outers, but up and inners too. Professional athletes, singers, actors, CEOs. People take their lives without realizing it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. A generation wears sleeves to hide the fact that they cut themselves. Mm. If you are reading this and you're a cutter or you struggle with the thoughts of taking your life, please know this. I understand that the pain is real, but you don't need to hurt yourself or make yourself bleed. Jesus died and shed his blood for you. He died so you could live. And I just felt as we were, you know, kind of preparing this, that this would just be a, just a moment to talk about, you know, suicide has uh, recently hit our lives in a, a, a very personal way. A friend of ours uh, who struggled with depression for quite a while, he recently took his life. And, <clears throat> you know, we've just been kind of re-going through grief. Later in the chapter, uh, I talk more about the struggle of the grief process and the way their stages, anger and bargaining and reasoning and all, all of that. And, 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 and it's recently hit our lives again as we're kind of once again going through this. And it kind of shocked me again that even though I've been through it before, I was caught off guard by the way it kind of confronted me again. Yeah. And so just thought we'd just talk for a minute, especially, of course, if there's anyone out there, we just would highly encourage you if you're dealing with this, don't stay in your head on this. Um, I think the the days where you felt like you had to um, have it all together to be a good Christian. I think those days hopefully are over where we're in the church more and more seeing 
honesty and transparency and a power of vulnerability that if you need to get help, if you need to get medication, if you need to see a a therapist, if you need whatever, you know, those things you need to do. I see it like a stool. You you need to have those different legs. But I think at the end of the day, where, where my heart is, is to see people find in Jesus that hope. And even if you do need medicine, even if you do need counseling, which you may very well need those things, and please get them, that at the at the at the core of our soul, there will there will always be something missing if we're not tapped into that hope and power that right. comes through Christ. Right. It's such a it's such a hard uh, topic to to talk about. Um, but what about those who? Um, who commit suicide in Christ? I, I know recently you you shared something with a, fa- a family who was going through through a family member who had committed suicide, and what you said was so profound and really impacted them in a deep way, but also impacted me. Um, do you want to share what you talked yeah, about? Yeah, well, I I think um, it was something that was given to me, so I can't you know, of course take credit for what helped me out. I had a friend who uh, this was a long time ago who took his life who knew Jesus and. And someone, I was kind of struggling through it theologically, trying to understand it, because there's been so much confusion. I think there is confusion. And then we just have to acknowledge that this is a confusing topic. It is hard to get your head around. And there's been a lot of um, untruth in a lot of confusion because people, you know, will— I've heard it even equated as the unforgivable sin. Right. You know, that this is a sin God can't forgive. And, you know, the Bible says there is an unforgivable sin, and it's rejecting Jesus as Savior. Yeah. That is the only sin that can't be forgiven because there is no cure for rejecting the only remedy. So when, when the Bible talks about that unforgivable sin, it's very clear that it's to reject the Holy Spirit whose only purpose is to allow Jesus to bring salvation into your heart. Mm. So uh, the Bible never says suicide is an unforgivable sin. So that's just clearly not scripture. But um, but the person who told me, you know, this statement that has helped me so much, and I've tried to give it out as much as I can, um, said that when we die and stand before God, however we died, uh, someone's someone's hands, our own hands, however it was, that he's not going to judge us through the lens of the last thing we did. He's going to judge us through the last thing Jesus did, if mm, we're in Christ. So good. And the last thing Jesus did before he died was pay for our sins as he suffered on the tree, as he bore the curse for us. So when Jesus died, he paid for our sins. When we die, we're not judged for our last action. We're judged for Jesus's last action. Therefore, we can't lose what we didn't earn. Mm. And if I were to, God forbid, make a sinful choice and let's say um, drink and drive, let's say I, I consumed alcohol and drove and I crashed my car and killed myself. If that happened, I would be, as my last action on this earth, a sin. It would be a, a sinful choice. I wouldn't stand in heaven and be judged for that sin. Right. It would the consequence of what I did earn my my life being cut short, and of course brought tragedy on the ministry and on you and mm. my my girls and Lennox and all that. And I, I would hate that, and I want a holy fear to keep me from those sort, sorts of things. Not though to earn God's favor, but because I have it and I want to please Him mm. out of a right relationship. But I wouldn't stand before God with my last choice being sinful and now find myself in hell because I chose to sin right before dying. I'm in Christ, new creation. I've been forgiven. Grace wasn't based on me. It was placed on me. So I would see suicide the same way. Look, sin is 
is, is never to be chosen, never to be preferable. It's always better to not. Yet, however you uh, end up in heaven, murder, I would see suicide as murder, quite frankly. Mm. You're murdering yourself. As that, sin is heavy, sin is terrible, but the truth is all sin is forgivable. And if you're in Christ, that sin was already paid for. So you stand before God whole in Christ um, with, with that forgiveness over you. Now, where it gets complicated, of course, as the conversation unfolds, and I'm, I'm moving, shifting gears here, mm. is where we have the mental illness component, you know, right. and I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a doctor and neither are you. So yeah. we're talking about it as, as, as pastors and as, you know, Christians and as people. But um, as I see it, there is a mental illness component and where you have that piece of the puzzle, it becomes a thing where someone is can be a victim of, of suicide, a victim of mental illness. And this can be a life that was taken that we can't fairly say is murder. We can't mm. fairly say is a sin because if someone dies of cancer, you're not going to judge them from, oh, they should have tried harder, prayed more. You know, gosh, it was, it was a disease. Right. And there can be a mental illness factor that leads to this tragic, devastating decision where someone feels there's no way out except uh, but to take this action. And now you have, uh, you have people confused, but it's, it's not, they're a victim just as much as anybody. Right. Of course, we don't know where those lines are. Mm -mm. And, and I think what, what's challenging and hard for me, quite frankly, is you don't want to call everybody who has taken their life that, well, that was just mental illness because I think what that can do is take away the choice that does exist for some people who are just struggling with life, right. struggling with things being hard and where it's just like, well, everybody is a victim if they've committed suicide. Well, that's not true. Mm. Some people are just tragically making a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I've heard it said, uh, <coughs> shifting the pain from them to their loved ones, yeah. which is often what happens. You're hurting so bad, you see no way out, so you take your life. Well, the pain doesn't go away. The pain just gets transferred to the shoulders Gosh. of your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad, your brothers. And and so I think the, the key thing is that we talk about this with compassion. Yeah. I think this conversation does need to happen. But I also would say, like, I kind of have a conviction that, you know, while, yes, we do want to openly talk about these things, and, and to those of you who are going through this, look, call your pastor, call a friend, text somebody. There is worth. You, your life has meaning, and things could look a lot differently in a week. Yeah. Things could look a lot differently in a year. Even the, in the morning. Things could look a lot different tomorrow morning. Mm. You know, so it's, it's always worthwhile to to fight for life and— and get the help you need. And if it's medication, great. If it's if it's counseling, great. If it's, you know, if it's uh, reading for me, when in dark seasons of life have come, it's been scripture. It's been trusting those things and tucking them in my heart. Yeah. I certainly don't want to say, well, you just need to read the more Bible more if you need medicine. I'm not trying to go there. But I do want to also say, like, no matter what help medicine and uh, doctors give you and friendship gives you and community gives you, let's not forget about Jesus. Yeah, and I think in the messaging point. of, you know, let's talk about these things. Let's talk about this. Talk about yes, but let's not forget about Jesus, mm. and let's not push him to the periphery as though he's one part of it when he wants to be the the the, the lover of your soul. And I think what to what to the extent that we allow other things to shape the narrative and Jesus to take the back seat, 
Like he says straight up in scripture, he does want to heal your diseases and heal your iniquities. Yeah. He can heal mental illness. He can heal a broken soul. And I'm not saying he always does this side of heaven, right. but let's not, let's not write that out. Let's not stop believing for miracles. Let's not stop trust, trusting in the God who can shape our minds and renew our minds. Mm. And where we talk about it as though it's like, I'm always going to walk with a limp. Look, if God wants to heal my limp, I'm not going to fake one. You know, Gosh. I say that in the book, and I, I, I'd, I'd say to to preclude mental, the mental emotional component of our our victory, to take that off the table as though it's like, well, I'm just always going to have this depression, but I'm still a Christian. I'm just always going to be a mess. Like this, it's okay to not be okay message that has been a big part of the church conversation. I think the the problem with that is so, to sometimes it's not okay to not be okay if Jesus wants to make you okay. Wow. And so I'm not going to walk in my dysfunction and allow that to shape me um, because that's how I was when I'm a new creation in Christ. And if he wants that to experience to, to that experience to be a part of the totality of my life, mental, spiritual, um, physical. Like, why would I limit God and and talk as though I'm always going to remain a victim if he wants me to walk in victory? And right. to some degree, we're going to be shaped by what we stare at. We're going to be formed by what we focus on. And we can lead ourselves to a self-fulfilling prophecy just by talking about, well, I'm always going to have suffer depression. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, almost like it, there's an inevitability to it. So I, while I'm trying to be careful because I certainly am not saying there isn't going to be a, a, a medicine side to what you're walking through. And you have to walk with your doctors through that yeah. and your pastor and, and friends and family. But I also see the side of where there can be victory, where there can be freedom, where there can be healing. Let's also walk in that victory. Right. Well, it's like you said, Jesus died so that we could live. And um, the verse in the Bible says, choose life that you may live. And so um, for us, we do have the, we do have the choice and we do have the choice also to help ourselves. And I think one of the things that you and I were talking about was um, – our friend was always focusing on how he could help others. So his question, his question, he was amazing. Um, but how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? Whereas um, maybe the question he should have been asking, and I am again, I'm just, we're just talking through what's on our hearts. But maybe the question um, should have been more, how can I help myself? How yeah. can I help myself? And and there's such a, a tension to that because, yes, we want in our pain to be thinking of others and to be um, generous and to be outward focused and not be inward. But at the same time, if we need help and we need um, people, we need a doctor, we need medicine, like we we do, we need to to ask, how can I help? How can I help myself? How can others help me? And just that, probably both of those together, the tension of, of helping others and helping ourselves. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you're dealing with this, just like we can't encourage you enough to be real with the small group leader, yeah. be real with family members, get get the help that you need. Uh, but but walk in walk in Christ, walk with Jesus, and and allow Him to to bring you through those things. Um, you know, as we kind of bring this down to a conclusion today, of course, uh, we hope you'll come back next week as we just kind of continue this talk about hope and life and and struggle and grief and, and, and all that. Um, I think about how I, I end chapter four talking about being back in New York mm. and preaching the same message I wrote there. And I wrote that message, Turn Off the Dark, seeing a Broadway play, having no idea I would go home our life would fall apart, but then eventually God would build it back up and I would be back in that same city preaching that message. And 
and uh, and seeing just full circle. Hmm. And I just I just would encourage you just believe for that. You know, that was yeah. not two years later. I was back in there, having been through what I went through, what we went through, but being in a different place. And so, no matter what you're going through, just believe God, who in a day spoke light into this world who in a week created all that there is, right? And whether you see that as a metaphor for a a period of time, uh, don't get bogged down in that. We're Mm -hmm. talking about God who spoke light and he could speak light into your life and he could speak light into your darkness. And so there is no corner of this universe so dark that God can't fill it with his light. And we just hope that as you listen to this, that you would believe for strength for your struggle and uh, and freedom for your fight and victory for what you're dealing with today. Uh, but power is going to come through vulnerability and transformation, but most importantly, through that relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Mm, so we pray that over your life yes. and blessings on your journey. This is Jenny and Levi Lusco. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to swing by levilusco.com to see what's going on in our world and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. In the meantime, we would love to connect with you on social media. Jenny and Levi Lusco, out. Out.